0: Legal Monday, on The Viewpoint, with Songhez Oma there. Yeah,
1: 2134, good evening Ilona, you heard what I had to say. Get right on to it, please.
2: But uh, I think I got the gist of it. And? And the law in South Africa is, is complicated when it comes to parents' rights. In as much as, not only do we need to look at legislation, the Children's Act, but also in, in families where customary law is applicable, our constitution says that the court must take it into account. So there's a very straightforward, simple answer. But yes, fathers, right, fathers do have rights to to be involved in their children's lives and to participate actively in the parenting of those children, and it's how they how they activate and um, acquire those rights in certain circumstances where they are unmarried fathers. Um, that needs to
1: be looked at i mean in, in just the most ordinary of circumstances without there being hostilities and the letter as well as the spirit of the law is adhered to and given true meaning and expression all predicated from section 282 of the constitution the best interests of the child a and b have a child a being the man and b being the woman they have a child they aren't married they probably never intended to marry What in such circumstances would the law prescribe, if not prescribe, encourage? And what really should be the spirit of the relations between the mother and the father in relation to this baby child?
2: I think that's the core question: is what should the spirit be? And the spirit should always be, or the question should always be, what is in that child's best interest? And both A and B, mother and father, should at all times, despite their relationship, whether it be good or bad, focus on what is what is best for their child. Um, the, the constitution makes it clear in all matters concerning the child, the child, what the child's best interests are paramount, and that has to be the most important consideration. An unmarried father, um, to get into the specifics, in terms of Section 21 of the Children's Act, automatically acquires parental responsibilities and rights in South Africa. In circumstances where he's living with the mother at the time of the child's birth, alternatively, if he's not living with the mother at the time of the birth, if he consents to be identified as the child's father, if there's a question about that, or if he pays damages in respect of customary law, and then together with those qualifications, if he contributes or tends to contribute in good faith to the child's upbringing and expenses. In those circumstances, that father automatically acquires full parental responsibilities and rights in respect of that child and is on an equal legal setting with the mother.
1: Now, how often have you found in your practice that that is as utopia as it gets because whilst the conditions can facilitate for that in other words the man has got a decent job that can allow him to fulfill the physical as well as the patrimonial responsibilities to the child the same is true equally for the mother but for whatever the reason and i'm just going to say for now blame it on the ego of either if not both it gets in the way and you have the kinds of problems associated with ensuring the dignity and the best interests of the child. Even anecdotally, what can you share with us has been seemingly a recurring theme in not ensuring that this spirit maintains.
2: Yes, unfortunately, I mean, the sort of question you ask is something we deal with as family law practitioners day in, day out. Parents, for whatever reason, their relationship breaks down and quite often it is related to ego or the idea of, and, and desires of that individual parent to essentially hold the child as a trump card for themselves. So we, we do deal with this on a constant basis. And unfortunately, often the child's best interest gets completely sidelined in, in the dispute.
3: How,
1: how, how do we get there? I mean, or put differently, what would you like... For the people out there who are listening to this program to know how do you want to get that message across or what sort of message do you wish people really did consider before even engaging the institutions of the state to have this dispute settled by a neutral party a lot of the time it shouldn't come to that but it has unfortunately become that what do you wish that the people at home knew or or, or could consider because i, I can't imagine the damage this is to the child down the line when these traumas start to manifest in in various and in varying ways in society this is what generally speaking is avoidable
2: exactly it it is avoidable and i think it's avoidable when the two parents realize and i, I am a, a family law practitioner with a passion for children's rights and children's uh, child law. I'm not a psychologist, but of course I work with social workers and psychologists quite often mm. um, to their practice. And I think if parents throughout South Africa could just accept and understand that a child Really is best served when he or she has a, a good, healthy relationship with both both his mother and his father. And and we see this in practice constantly. Children that are find themselves in situations where to please mom they have to say awful things about their father, or to please the father they have to be disparaging about their mother, or say they don't want to see one or other of the parents. They really are in the heart of the conflict and. And and as you quite correctly say, it is a traumatizing event for them. And it plays out, and and a a psychologist can speak to this far more eloquently than myself, but it plays out right into adulthood and their relationship thing with their their spouses or or partners and children. So if if I could ask South African parents who are no longer in warm, loving relationships that have children is just to bear in mind that their child benefits from having a healthy, good relationship with mom and dad, and that they should strive at all costs to achieve that for their children.
1: Well, here's an opportunity for some free legal advice from a specialist in family law matters, Ilana Hannington, operating from Cape Town, Norman Wink and Stevens in Cape Town there. Do you have any questions around your child? or the mother of your child, or the father of your child? What trick have you tried that worked? What (coughs) extents or extremities have you gone to to try and get your partner or ex-partner to participate or to be the adult in the room that have failed any question? Nothing is embarrassing. You don't even have to offer your name for that matter. We really are trying to make each other wiser and to get rid of some social challenges that don't really have to pertain If only our egos got out of the way. 21.41 is the time we're taking a very short break. We're playing a voice note with the hope that we can get one or two other voice notes or even a question by way of a phone call. You've tried this. It hasn't worked. This is what you want. What can you do? And, of course, we know how expensive law can really be. Are there ways just to keep the costs to whatever it is that you want at a minimum? Ilana is going to answer your questions after the break. Hi, uh, is so on the team. Uh, this is Nati from Cape Town. I just wanted to ask, if because today the right and access of the child, if one has paid the damages and then has been supporting the child, however there's no access from the other years for for two years towards the child, uh, can that person apply for sole custody because the uh, the biological mother does not stay with the child in question? Only the uh, yes,
3: my maternal grandmother's David, Then I'll listen in. Early. Thank you.
1: That's a fantastic question, only Want to take a bite at that?
2: Sure. And um, I don't know if I heard it all correctly, but it sounded to me like the question really was, um, "Where a child is not living with a, the, the biological mother, but rather extended family, and what steps the father can take to acquire?"
1: That's how custody. I understood it too. Yes.
2: Correct. And um, so just to clarify we no longer really talk about custody we talk about care and contact but i think most lay people understand custody to be what it is certainly a, a biological father who who has shown an interest in a child who has attempted to um contribute to his or her maintenance and upbringing not only financially but also emotionally can bring an application to court if you can demonstrate that it is in the child's best interest to reside with him as opposed to a a, a maternal grandparent. Grandparents do not have any automatic rights to children in in terms of the Children's Act and in terms of common law. There are exceptions to that, particularly as it relates to customary law, but certainly a father in those circumstances could bring an application to court to say, I'm the biological father, it's in the child's best interest to reside primarily with myself. If there's a a, a very good relationship between the child and his maternal family. I would expect the court would probably, if, if the court was prepared to come to his assistance because that is the intervening to be in his best interest, would still order the child to have some contact with the maternal family. But yes, if, if the child had an established relationship with the biological father, that's certainly an application that could be brought in a children's court or the high court, and I would expect that the court would certainly come to the father's assistance
1: what what can you share with us and I'm, I would imagine this now gets into a bit of a cultural conversation and to the extent that you can relate, please do edify our knowledge how, how, how much of an issue how much of a challenge do cultural norms or practices or ways tend to if you will blur the lines in relation to the civil law at least insofar as it relates to this uh, conversation because they won't always necessarily be congruent with each other.
2: No, they're not, um, and certainly I practice in inner city Cape Town, and it's not a, a, an issue that I um, see coming across my desk particularly often. I would think in different parts of South Africa that would that would be different for a Trinity practicing there. However, although customary law and as I understand it, there's a, there's a big requirement for the father, an unmarried father, to pay damages. And that is essentially the starting point. There's then, uh, um, I think it's often described as paying an additional fee, or infant lolo, which is more paying payment towards, to the mother's family towards the child's absence. And, and the Children's Act has a, a similar provision, not so much the first damages step, but the second step about paying towards the child's upkeep. So although customary law and, and the Children's Act, which is the primary legislation that we look at when dealing with children, are, have distinct differences, I think they are closer together than one would expect. And both, in both instances, a court will have to consider ultimately what is in the best interest of the child. Because although our constitution says that customary law must be applied, it's not maybe, it must be applied when it's applicable. There's a qualification. It's subject to the rest of the constitution. And and therefore, if one can demonstrate that something is in a child's best interest, I think that will trump any difficulties one is having from legislation point of view or um, customary laws or traditions or norms.
1: Any questions to our guest, Ms. Ilana Hannington, specialist in family law matters, access to the child. And perhaps, Ilana, I'm just going to ask a question that you can perhaps respond to after the caller. We have a caller summit in Cape Town. Put summit on, please. But you mentioned something which was quite striking to me. We talk about care and contact nowadays over custody. Perhaps you might use the opportunity once you are done responding to summit to just take us through that and why there is that distinction and what it in practical terms means i'd love to understand that better but for now let's go to cape town Summit. thanks for calling your question please
3: yes good evening yes sir yeah you know the bigger problem is you know us as men we are in a dilemma because you see even uh your guest didn't say it is safe that if the child is not even staying with the mother he is staying with the relatives of the mother. They are, and they, the, the custody cannot directly be given to men. Because like now, if you check, most of us as men, we pay uh, a lot, uh, we pay money to look after the children, but the mothers, they don't give us access We have a bond with the child, so that is that, uh, like you know, emotional, like Mm. co-companionship with the child. You see, so mostly men, we are always at a disadvantage. That each and every time, because we don't even have the access to the child, but since you know that it's your child, you pay for the upkeep of the child. You see, so mostly more men are on the losing end. Why can't our Fight for that so that men are given access to the children. Thank you,
1: Songes. Thank you so much, Samit. Yeah, Ilana, I mean, this is a concern that one of our listeners shares. I don't know how prevalent that is and what developments in the law are there to, I would even go as far as saying, not only Section 28 two of the Constitution, but traditionally Section 9, equality. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you say in response to that with me drawing these constitutional provisions to the fore? Sure. Then
2: what what our, our Constitution and our Children's Act says versus what people experience on the ground are, are two different mm. issues. Our South Africa, we are privileged to live in a country where fathers and mothers, there's a lot of equality and, and, and in terms of our law. Fathers and mothers are seen as assuming the father has automatically got parental responsibilities right or has acquired them depending on the circumstances. They are equal parents. They're entitled to make equal decisions about their children's well-being, education, medical, etc. And they're also entitled to spend time with the children and both have an obligation to maintain the child. Um, not really equally, that's dependent on their financial position. But on the ground, that isn't what's happening at the moment. We're still seeing for a huge portion of our population, the old-fashioned situation whereby the mother is in complete control and the dad is, as your, your caller call, um, mentioned, on the back foot and trying to fight to have a relationship with his child and his or her child, and and often that father is almost prevented from establishing the relationship with the child because, by the mother. And then she uses that against him by saying, you can't have sleepover contact with the child because you don't have a good enough relationship. So it is a tricky situation. And it's one that I do believe is being addressed practically by our court. How in, so? In a, in, so it's when people do approach the court, I, I do believe our courts are both in the Children's Court, which is a lower court, as well as the high court. The courts are implementing the Children's Act and are progressing fathers' rights. We also have the Office of the Family Advocate, who, which is a free service to all, all all South Africans, especially when they're litigating around children's rights. And the Office of the Family Advocate, we are seeing progression in, in their attitude towards fathers' rights and certainly those being highlighted and trumpeted when they should be. So. I, I appreciate your call of frustration, and I, I see the reality of it day in day out. But I do think progress is being made, and it, it really is an issue where my fathers just have to take up that fight and, and push for a relationship with their children, and use the law to their advantage. Because when they do so, and show, uh, when they do so, and they show a real dedication and determination to their relationship with their child, I, I do believe that they will um, come right.
1: May I press that a bit? And I mean, yeah. I, I'm just really trying to engage. It seems like when you say the courts are moving in that direction, this is somewhat locked up in attitude. This is locked up in whatever previous stereotype or possibly even previous laws. The law is there. I mean, it doesn't need one's attitude to be applied. It just needs the law to be applied against the facts that pertain. How much, therefore, is the concern that Summit raises, the impediment that let's assume he is experiencing that because he didn't say he's experiencing that, but for Mm -hmm. ease of reference, let's assume he's in that boat. How many people like Summit are prevented Mm -hmm. from accessing their children because not the law is inadequate, but the people charged with the dispensing of open, close quote justice in that regard are still hung up on their own ideas as opposed to just merely engaging the law against the facts.
2: What I would suggest, and I, I'm sure there are some people that find themselves in a the situation you describe and, it, and it's the court that are hampering the process. But what I would suggest is the the bigger problem and the the situation that most of African men find themselves in is they don't have access to those courts. Or even if they do have access to them without legal representation, they aren't able to set out their case and, and, and persuade those courts of the fact as they stand, and how to apply the law, and I would suggest mm. that that is more—that is the hampering fact, The cost of access to justice, unfortunately, you know, free legal services pro bono work is hard. It's good quality free legal services and pro bono work is hard to come by. And as you mentioned earlier, the cost of retaining an attorney to assist you in in achieving whatever you would like to achieve in relation to your kids is expensive. Legal costs are high. So I Mm. do believe that our courts have made significant progress. You know, the the establishment of the Children's Court, which was some time ago, and then the higher court being the upper guardian of all children. I do believe that the Children's Act, the Constitution, is implemented the majority of the time. But I think it's that access to that that justice that is a problem for, for many fathers.
1: Final question then, can you just engage very quickly? The question that I asked, the can contact versus custody, just the different terminology used?
2: So custody is the old fashioned where the Children's um, Act came in in about 2005 and it was came into effect in the years following that. And it made a big shift. In the old days, we spoke about guardianship and custody, and custody was just where the children lived and it was normally what mom and dad got to see them every second weekend. But with the, with the childrens, as we talk about parental rights and responsibilities, and it's the right of care and contact. And contact is exactly what the word means, Have, spending time, having contact with your child. Care is the right to an obligation at the same time to look after that child, raise their child, make decisions about the child. So they're much broader topic. Uh, um, broader Concepts now than the old mm. um, guardianship and, and and custody. So uh, the right to care for a child and had contact with the child really encompasses everything that being a parent um, encompasses. So it's just a much broader definition, and it's I think it's it's accurate.
1: Very well, thank you so much. Much appreciated for your much appreciated there, Miss Alana Hannington. Your time certainly is not taken for granted. We appreciate your experience and your very candid and very helpful responses to the concerns of our listeners. After the break, we have a conversation. Well, we're not going to have a conversation. We're going to hear some of the responses you at home have in relation to the question of Mbalula stroke A and C, wanting audience with the U.S. Ambassador. The time is
0: 21.56. Legal Monday on The Viewpoint with Songhez Omabeq there.
3: Well, it's simply
0: because uh, uh, the ambassador involved the ANC in his uh, uh, comment. Just go back to his comment, you will find out that it involved the, uh, the resolution of the uh, ANC uh, conference in his comment. So the ANC is, is right, or oh, Fikile Barula is right to, to, to talk about that, or to involve, or to call him and uh, have a discussion about that. Thank you.
3: Basically, here from Mbengi, uh, the
0: lines are very blurred when it comes to ANC and the government. Uh, I think Fikile feels he is justified to want an audience with the U.S. ambassador so that he can clarify whatever that he wants to clarify.
2: Good evening. I'm very happy that faux pas or not, that the ambassador uh, let the cat out of the bag, because otherwise we would have been none the wiser, we wouldn't have known that it had happened, and I would also like to know who got the money. Okay, thank you. Bye.
1: Hi, Songhez and the crew. Balula goes on to say that the U.S. ambassador is expected to understand the separation of roles between the party and the state. Do they, as the ANC? That's M.K. Ebulungwani, who poses that question. Twenty-one fifty-eight. I have a very unusual guest seated in front of me and very intimidating with his very present presence. Oliver what Dixon responds to that. What are your thoughts on that?
0: So I'll tell you this. I, I was in the briefing uh with the um M- u.s ambassador so a number of things one it's not mbalula that's seeking or at least maybe he's playing to the gallery now but it's not mbalula who's first seeking a, an, an audience with the ambassador in mm-hmm. fact the ambassador has been in south africa for a year mm-hmm. now and since he has been missioned here has for the last year tried to get a meeting with the anc they have continuously he says blue ticked him mm-hmm. it was only the matter of the last couple of weeks that they responded and said, "Hey." Uh, we'll find the time and we'll get together and we'll talk. So Mbalula saying, we want to speak to him, is not him showing initiative. It's like this guy's been trying to speak to you all along. So when the special envoy went to the U.S., mm. um, they had uh, several meetings with several people, with state legislatures, both in Congress as well as in mm. Senate, uh, this national security advisor to Joseph Biden in the White House. Um, they've, they've had uh, meetings with, with all, all sorts and manner of people. And one of the things that was raised was that the the ambassador, along with the U.S. and the White House, are of the opinion, very agitatedly so, that the ANC has taken an anti-U.S. posture. In the briefing, he whipped out the ANC's 55th elective conference policy resolution and read an excerpt from it where the ANC vows in its policy resolution to strengthen its relationship with BRICS nation states and expand it uh, to form as an antithesis to U.S. Uh, dollar-based economy dominance. They want to undo that U.S.-based economy done. This is American
1: exceptionalism at its best. Yes, it
0: is, right? And so this came up in the meetings and I said to him, yo, but that's inappropriate. Those people were there for a state visit, not a party visit. Surely, uh, you you wouldn't expect me in this engagement to raise Democratic or Republican-based matters with you. And his response was twofold. One, he said, while American political culture is a little bit different to South African political so, culture, we recognize and respect that your lines are a lot clearer than our lines. Party and state is often conflated in the U.S. And then his second response was, this was our only opportunity to raise our gripe with the ANC. And we were well aware that some of these people in the meeting, in fact all of them, were ANC employees. And it was our only only opportunity to raise our grip with the ANC because they had been just blue ticking us as an organization for the last year we've been trying to get a meeting and they just wouldn't take a meeting with us um, I've spoken to one or two people in the ANC and their response is we were in an elective conference here we were busy well
1: the plot thickens as it were 2201 thanks Oliver you've given us much to work with and perhaps we should In a way, a line now shows to be able to sort of dig in. And I like the fact that you're in the audience there. Apologies, Modu, but I mean, could I ever stop such an interesting inside info from one of our own, the finest SAFM has. 2201, we have a day tomorrow. Good night, everybody. 2201's the time.